Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey friends, Shauna here, and today's episode is with one of Millennial Money's biggest fans and one of our favorite returning guests, Jacqueline Twilly, who is a ninja at powerful negotiation strategies. She insists that winning at the game of negotiation, it really just starts with your mindset. Going back to mindset, like a lot of the negotiation is pulling out those cobwebs of why don't we want to negotiate or you know, if we're already getting paid a lot or they offered you a little bit more money than what you expected to make anyway, you're like, uh, I'm good. But my whole thing is don't leave any money on the table. Like at least we're going to say, is this the best we can do? And that that phrase right there, is that the best we can do is one of my favorite things to say in a negotiation. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash millenniummoney. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from, no matter what book you want to dive into. The truth is I have negotiated for so many things over my career and 
it always induces this sense of like panic coupled with my heart rate just shooting through the roof. But every time I negotiate, I earn more money or I pay less for something. So I'm basically a big fan. And thanks to Jacqueline's wisdom, we can all be super successful at negotiation too. She is a superstar. She has an MBA in leadership. She's founder and president of ZeroGap.co, which is a global training and development firm that specializes in women's leadership with male-dominated industries and is who you definitely want in your corner when it comes to negotiation. In this episode, we talk about how men and women do negotiation differently, how you can find confidence in any negotiation situation, and of course, secrets to win at negotiating your salary. Let's get into it. Well, we're here to talk about a very serious subject, negotiation, which for just about like anyone, it's really difficult, but especially for women, uh, negotiation is just this thing that we either find ourselves totally sweaty and stressed out about or fumbling over the words. So I'm just curious, what are we all getting wrong when it comes to negotiation for our salary? Well, the first thing is thinking that it's going to be an issue for us to ask as women, we are taught that we need to be polite and humble and cordial and asking for what we want is it's hot. So that's the first mistake that we're all making is getting over that hurdle that we can. And the second thing that we're all doing that we need to stop is downplaying our value. So what I mean by that is like when you get a compliment, instead of saying, thanks, I pride myself on doing this well, we're saying things like, oh, no big deal. I can do that in my sleep. That was easy. And we're we're sending a message that we shouldn't be valued when we don't accept that praise. Wow, that's such a such an important point. So what do, you, what do you see, I guess, as the major differences between men and women when it comes to negotiation? Is it really just that as women, we are taught, like you said, to just kind of fold our hands and smile politely and we don't dare ask for anything more than maybe that is given to us? Or like, are we just, you know, born to different innate species where men are just far more comfortable doing this? I'll tell you this, as an auntie of many kids, my <laughs> nephew, he's 12, a few months ago when I was visiting, he says, come in my room and watch me pl play Fortnite. I'm so awesome at this. And he lost twice in a row. And I don't really know what Fortnite is, but he's like, I'm so awesome. I'm like, kid, I don't think you're supposed <laughs> to be done in like 60 seconds, but whatever. On the flip side, when I look at my nieces, they're looking for that constant reassurance of like, am I doing this right? Is this okay? And so I, I do think a lot of negotiation habits start when we're at a young age. At the core, most of our negotiation skills are tied to our confidence level. And so once we get to a level of self-awareness where we can say, I'm definitely confident in doing this and I know I do this well and I'm going to own it and not worry about the backlash of being considered the B word, then it really, we can start taking on some of the characteristics that will help us present our most confident selves in a negotiation. That's such a good word, confident, because 
I know that I've struggled with that in different times in my career being an entrepreneur. There are times when I've had to fake the confidence, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I'm in a, a tough situation. But I also think there's the confidence really to me, like goes hand in hand with this, this mindset piece around negotiation, which is like you say, just valuing what you're worth. And I would imagine like if we step that back a little bit, it's, even a process of really thinking back in your life of those things that you got stuck or those things that maybe those times it didn't work out for you. How do you, as someone who teaches negotiation, walk that back with people so maybe they can understand what those roadblocks are? Yeah. So it's so important. Like you said, the mindset is everything. And you talk about this a lot on your podcast, a lot of our money relationship. It starts with how we view things. I like to tell people that negotiation is a conversation. It's not a battle. So that's part of framing how you Mm, think of a negotiation. But consider this. The last time you went to dinner with someone and you were deciding which restaurant you went to, they may have suggested one restaurant and you may have suggested something else and you landed somewhere in the middle. Or even, you know, going to see a movie or a concert. That is a negotiation. We Mm. negotiate a lot, but we don't realize how often we do it because it is a conversation. So when we take that same concept of I'm just having a conversation here, it makes the things that are higher stakes. It really decreases our stress so we can go into that with clarity, with the mindset of, okay, I got this. I like that. It, it's, it is really a conversation. <laughs> we just tend to maybe heighten the emotions a little bit, particularly if we're on the side where we're trying to negotiate for more salary or, or, or something like that. So I would imagine then in this conversation, to me, it feels a little bit like a dance, like you're dancing with somebody. Is there certain things that you should say, shouldn't say, like, is there a, a, a rule book that maybe you can, you can follow or is it just different every time? So if I gave you a rule book, it would be my latest book. Don't leave money on the table, negotiation <laughs> strategies. Um, but here's the thing in negotiation, it is just as important that you spend time listening actively as it is of what you say and how you say it. So one of the key tenets of a successful negotiation is that you're able to present open-ended questions to the other party so that you gain information because information is power. The more you know, the better informed decisions you can make. And it really puts you in a position of power when you're understanding the other person's point of view and understanding what they want so that you can walk away with a win-win thinking, okay, I'm going to get this and they're also going to get this. And the negotiation part is getting creative on how you reach that solution. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I like that. And Salary, of course, is this, uh, you know, something that we're very familiar with negotiating, but I've been an entrepreneur my whole career. I know that you have been in both sides of the world, corporate and entrepreneur. Is it different if you're running your own business or having a side hustle and maybe you're negotiating for like a project that, that you're pitching or something like that? Is it a different process than if you're just straight up in the corporate world and you're negotiating for your, your salary? Some of the nuances are different, but at the core, it's the same. So when we think about 
pilots, when they get ready to take flight, they go through a pre-flight checklist. And that's to ensure that they have the smoothest flight possible. So you should do a negotiation checklist. So when it comes to the difference between being an entrepreneur and being in the corporate world, some of the things that you may be looking to gain from the negotiation may be different, but your strategy really can be the same. So I have a five-part framework and it's an acronym. It's LATTE because I'm a LATTE <laughs> lover. So yes. five steps. The first one is look at the details. Second, anticipate challenges. Third, think about your walkaway point, which is setting the boundaries. The fourth one is talk it through, meaning have an outline of what you're going to say. And then the fifth step is evaluate options. So no matter what world you're in, if you're in the entrepreneurial space or you're in a traditional nine to five job, when you go through that negotiation checklist, you're going to ensure that you're having the smoothest conversation possible. And that anticipate the challenges part is so key because how many times have we been in a situation where after the fact, we're like, oh, I should have totally. said this, should have done that. So when you're anticipating the challenges, you don't just anticipate them. You also think about your response to that challenge and if possible, think about two options so that when or if that comes up, you're not caught off guard and you're able to navigate that as smoothly as possible. And so for me as an entrepreneur, if I'm negotiating, let's say I'm buying software and I'm negotiating a deal, if I go through that latte method, I'm going to be pretty confident in what I'm bringing to the table and what I want to achieve, keeping the other person, that software company, keeping their interest in mind as well. Similar to how I would do if I was going in during a performance review and asking for more money. Good point. Yeah. And I like that first T too. I want to talk about that for a minute. You you call it the walk away point. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that a lot of us get wrong because we tend to go like, oh, okay, okay, I'll take it. I'll take whatever you're giving me. And mm -hmm. we, we, you know, we just screw up the negotiation process like right there. But how do you determine what is like a reasonable walk away, you know, point? Yes. So it's all about boundaries, right? What are the things that you want the most, which are your aspirations in a negotiation? And then what are the deal breakers? Now, when we're looking for a new home or if you're looking for a car, you have your dream list. Like, I want all of these things. And then you're like, <laughs> OK, this is my budget. Reality check. <laughs> right. So when you're going into negotiation, you can have your dream list and then you have your OK, this is realistic for my business size or my career level, et cetera. And so based on those two things, you can say, okay, I'm going to use the analogy for a job search just for a moment. If a company is going to pay you 10 grand more, but your daily commute will increase by two hours, that two hour additional commute may be a deal breaker for you, even though it's 10 grand more. So Alternatively, yes. let's say your commute increases by 45 minutes, but they're going to give you a stipend to repay your student loans. So now you have your dream list of things, but once you get to see what the offer is, now you're saying, okay, if my long-term goals in life are to one, pay off my student debt and spend more time with my family, 
Now I have a decision to make because I'm increasing my commute 45 minutes, but I have a stipend on top of my salary to pay back the, the student debt. What is it worth? And then from there, you can clearly think about what your walk away point will be. For you, this could be, well, here's that other job with a two hour commute and 10K more. And then you'll be able to walk that back and say, this is the right decision for me at this stage of my life. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. 
I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30 day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30 day free trial. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. It is Tuesday, and that means it's time for another Ask Shauna. This one comes from Taylor. Hello, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now, and I really love how open and honest you are about talking about money because it's caused me nothing but anxiety and stress, and I'm slowly starting to have a better relationship with my money and having open conversations with my money, so thank you. My question is, my husband and I have a lot of credit card debt, and we're tackling first before we save for our next step in our lives. 
Once the cards are paid off, is it true that creditors close accounts if you don't use them? We have about 12 cards between the two of us, and I don't want to pay them off just to use them again. Please help. Thank you. Taylor, I'm so excited to have you join us on the podcast, and I'm even so excited to just hear that you're slowly starting to get in a better relationship with your money. It takes time. It took me years to get the whole mindset thing down around money and to understand how powerful that was to achieving my goals. So if you're already getting it, you are like an A student. And this is a great question and really a a much debated one. I've seen it hit or miss with people, especially if they have a lot of credit cards, but they have zero debt. If they do end up canceling your card, I suggest calling them immediately and seeing if you could get your credit line reinstated if that's what you want to do. Many companies will do this, but you kind of got to be on top of it once they end up closing it. To just avoid this whole like cancellation altogether, I suggest just put some regular activity on your cards. You could space it out, but it doesn't have to be much. Think about putting your Netflix or your Hulu subscription fees on the card or things that could be easily paid off every month, like a simple coffee visit or gas each month, like little tiny expenses. But that will just show the creditors that you're still accessing that credit line, which at the end of the day, that's what they want. They want to just get in the position where you're so tempted that you end up putting more credit card debt on because again, that's how they make their money and they're not really looking out for you. So I want to look out for you. And a lot of this journey about mindset and paying off debt and then getting to the place where you're not going to get back in debt is really reframing the way you think about spending money, maybe what you attach to the things that you buy. I mean, this is a whole other Ask Shauna question, but just a couple of things for you to keep in mind. Again, I always say like just put something small on the card that you can pay off because this programs your mind that you can pay it off without any interest charges and you're kind of training your brain to realize that this is only going to be the charge every month on this card. That's it. Meaning you're you're sending a message that hey brain, we're not using this card for anything else. This is what we're using it for. We're using it just to keep this line of credit open. And all of these little brain tricks, they may seem really silly, but they are effective because if you look at how habits and patterns are developed, it's these little, little tricks over and over and over again. Again, if you decide not to use your cards, just make sure that you check your credit score regularly so you can stay on top of these credit lines when maybe they might be canceled, and then you can get a feel for how this might impact your score. I think a lot of people get really, really nervous because obviously one of the factors of your credit score is the amount available credit versus the amount used. So if cards start canceling, it starts shrinking that ratio and potentially could really drag down your credit score. But it also depends on what season of life you're in. Maybe you're in a a time right now where you don't need to use a lot of credit. And if some of those cards go away, maybe it's okay. Maybe it still leaves you in a good position with your credit score. And then when you need to access more credit, maybe you open another card or who knows. I mean, there's lots of ways to slice and dice this. But really, at the end of the day, I just want to send you a big congrats. 
that if you're on this journey to pay off your cards, it's a huge achievement. And any encouragement that I can give you to just keep going little by little, I certainly want to do that for you. So, hey, listen, if you have an Ask Shauna question, just like Taylor, it's super easy. Head on over to the link in the show notes, or you can head to our website, mmoneypodcast.com, and you'll find the Ask Shauna spot right on our homepage. We'll be tackling an Ask Shauna every Tuesday, and I want to help answer your question. As a Millennial Money listener, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their amazing service. Over the last year, I've become a huge fan of Audible because I can listen to a book anywhere I go, and then I can just pick back up right where I left off. I'm currently reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you heard about this book? It's all about how to build good, strong habits for basically anything you want to achieve in life. Grab your free copy and start reading with me today. To download your free audiobook, again, go to audibletrial.com slash millennialmoney. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash millennialmoney for your free audiobook. Mm, I like that. I like thinking about it that way. And I could see how you could, of anything that you're negotiating for, kind of walk through that process. I like that. And, and so when we talk about like negotiating in, in the corporate world, I know that we're inching towards the end of the year here. Is there like a right or wrong time to negotiate your salary? Mm hmm. Yes. Such a good question. All of your questions are good, by the way. <laughs> Here's the key. Understand when the company's fiscal year budget is set, because oftentimes the performance review calendar and that fiscal year budget, they're not in total alignment, meaning you may have your performance review a few months after the new budget was set and there may not be money to increase your salary. So if you start having those casual conversations around the time that the fiscal year budget is set, when your supervisor or their supervisor is in those meetings setting the budget, they can already be aware to say, oh, you know what? Shauna's been killing it this year and she's mentioned to me how she's added value to the company with this win and that win because you've been priming the pump. And so they'll advocate to increase the budget to increase your salary. So another good time to advocate for yourself in terms of a promotion or a raise is on the heels of a big win. So we talked about this earlier of not downplaying your value is getting to the point where when you do something really awesome, you're like, yes, thanks for recognizing <laughs> that. I like to see that on my bonus or, you know, I want to be assigned to the next awesome project, whatever that is for you. But in order for you to negotiate, the timing matters, but you also have to know what you want. And if you can't articulate what you want, then the timing really doesn't matter. But if you know what you want, then timing matters greatly. I would yes. say a bad time to go in and ask for more money is if your company is going through a financially tough time or let's say your boss, their cat died of cancer. Like I would not go in and ask for more money that day because obviously it's a difficult <laughs> time. Yes. You get my point. So yes, timing matters, but along with timing, be certainly clear on what your aspirations are. 
Wow. So many good points. I love that, that priming the pump example. That, <laughs> that's a good one. That's going to stick in my head. Gosh, I have, I have so many questions for you. Um, we have become friends uh, off of the podcast and I know that I've watched so many different women share these success stories of, working with you and in increasing their salary, or maybe they get a, a new project because they've worked with you and they've learned this art of negotiation. And I love that people start to really feel their worth and then they share it back with the community. So I'm, I'm just curious, like what initially ignited your passion around teaching specifically women how to be good negotiators? Yes. So it was around the time that you and I first connected years ago when I was working with Lavo League. And it was during that time where I was on a spiritual journey, really just trying to figure out what is my purpose in life. And through my involvement with Lavo, I learned about the wage gap and equal pay days. And when I was facilitating a negotiation workshop for Lavo, something clicked. It, it set my soul on fire and it completely changed the trajectory of my life and my career. And that's when I left CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and started my company and started doing this work full time. Wow. Yeah. And I would imagine, right? I mean, wh what do you feel when when women share back with you that, that it works and that, yeah. that this is like changing their lives? Because I mean, this is like, this is money. I mean, this is like, you know, big things for a lot of people. Yeah, it is one of the most rewarding things. Like this morning when I got up, I was looking at my messages and I got another message and I get them so frequently now that I never want to take for granted that I'm doing my life's work. But it feels amazing. And I'm just so thankful that I get to do meaningful work and I love it. And I love that. I was I was seeking like what is my purpose? I don't just want to be on this planet. I want to right. make an impact and I get to do that. Yeah, I think that's just we all want that, right? And and so many of us it feels like we're just beating our head against the wall trying to find that. And sometimes it's just like right under your nose, that thing that uh that you're really supposed to do. Yes. <sighs> Okay, <laughs> suck up my tears. Oh, wow. This might be the first tears on a podcast. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, you just, you offer so much value. And again, I just think it's it's so important because I think it's it's easy in, um, gosh, being an entrepreneur, being in the corporate world to really undervalue yourself and just kind of be thankful for whatever you're getting paid or whatever project you're doing. And I know I've done it many times where I've had to say like, okay, Shauna, like you're actually qualified and talented and smart and you can go ask for more money. And then it's crazy when you do and when you hold yourself to a lot of those steps, like you just mentioned, and it, and it works. I mean, then it's like, well, why am I not doing this every single time? I would imagine that you probably hear that from a lot of people. Right. And so I'll share with you, just this past week, someone reached out to me and she had negotiated the week prior to reaching out to me and she didn't get anything. And she said, I want to try this again. I need your help. So we get on the phone. She messages me back after we have our strategy session and she had her meeting and she got a thirty five hundred um, increase wow. monthly, which is wow. 
a game changer. Yeah. Um, but imagine if she wouldn't have asked. And now, like, part of the work that we were doing when I was working with her, she was just saying, you know, I kind of feel bad for asking for more money because I already make a lot of money and I'm comfortable. But it wasn't about you already make more money than what your parents earned or, you know, what your friends are earning. It's about what does the market pay and what value are you adding to the company that you work for? And she's like kicking butt. She's doing amazing work. So you should be fairly compensated based on the market rate. Going back to mindset, like a lot of the negotiation is pulling out those cobwebs of why don't we want to negotiate or, you know, if we're already getting paid a lot or they offered you a little bit more money than what you expected to make anyway, you're like, uh, I'm good. But my whole thing is don't leave any money on the table. Like at least (laughs) we're going to say, is this the best we can do? And that, that phrase right there, is that the best we can do is one of my favorite things to say in a negotiation because it really allows for the dialogue to continue. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. So talking about your book, Don't Leave Money on the Table, tell me a little bit about what's in the book. Like what can somebody expect when when they pick up the book? Yes. So this book is a quick read, very intentional. That was one of my, um, guiding things with the book. I've read so many phenomenal negotiation books, but they're several hundred pages long. And when you're in a jam and you need to have a conversation, you need a (laughs) quick guide. So what you can expect from the book is chapters that you can get through very quickly. In the back of the book, I put together negotiation frequently asked questions. So what I've done is over the years, I've had spreadsheets of so many sales of different questions that I've been asked. So what I did was I went through, compiled similar questions, and I put together that FAQ guide in the back of the book. So that's one of the things that people really love. Also, I give you a lot of prompts where... For example, is this the best we can do? I give you other examples of things you can say in a negotiation, but I have blocks in the book where you can write in the book and create your own version of what I've suggested that you may say. So you put your own spin on it, your own personality, the vocabulary that you use in everyday conversation. You have those prompts inside of the book so that when you do go to have those conversations, you feel very confident because it's your authentic voice and it's not Jacqueline's voice. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's great, like you said, to have like a quick guide, because when you are in those situations, you just want to know, okay, what am I supposed to say? What am I not supposed to say? How do I do it? And yeah, you're right. You don't want like 200 pages in where you're finished going, okay, wait, what? What am I supposed to do? Yeah, I think that's that's awesome that... um, that it is that because I get asked this question a lot from people. It's like, okay, but what am I supposed to say? And I think that's where it really comes down to people just get stuck. Like they understand maybe negotiation is obviously something they should do, but it, when it comes down like to the practice of how do I actually do it, that seems to be where things fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's where people in theory will be able to say, yes, I know I need to negotiate, but they don't know what to say or how to say it and then take it a step further. One of the things that holds people back is that they let fear trip them up. Like, yes. oh, what if they take the offer from me? Or what if, you know, they don't like me? And I will tell you recently, I had a client that I was working with. She counter offered 
at the market rate because they lowballed her. And when she countered, they pulled the offer. So she kept interviewing and she really wasn't disappointed because there was no way she was going to do like a traveling job for the salary that they were offering. So fast forward, she gets two additional offers. That same company that rescinded their offer, they come back to her with a better offer, but it was like a month later. So one part of negotiation, and we kind of touch on this briefly with the walk away point is you have to be willing to walk away because if you feel so desperate that you have to take whatever option is there. Your judgment is clouded. And that's a good indicator that you're not making a decision in clarity. So Mm, yeah, yeah, don't be afraid to walk away. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you, you know, how do you fight through the fear? I mean, there's so many times when I have negotiated and literally like my palms are sweaty, my heart is racing, my and I and I know it's the right thing to do, but I'm still I feel like internally a mess. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's part of the process, right? Just like yep. going through that and fighting through that. So true. So I talk about this in the book too. And I I have an exercise where you can take whatever fear you're experiencing around that negotiation and you turn it into an affirmation. So similar to you, even though I do this every day, sometimes I still get nervous and sweaty when I'm about to negotiate. So I really ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen here? They can say no. And then I go a step further. What are my thoughts around this? Why do I feel hesitant? Why am I sweating about this negotiation? And then whatever that thought that comes to mind is, then I just find um, an affirmation. I switch it over to an affirmation. I'm like, I'm really good at X, Y, Z. So yes, I can X for this. So software is at the top of my head because that's what I negotiated yesterday. I'm negotiating with a company for a software deal. And I told them, you know, I would be a great case study for you, my business size, the type of business that I have. And so this can be a win-win. If you can give me 50% off for my year membership, I'll pay up front to use your software. And I can also be used as a case study. And so going into that, my thought was, who the heck are you to to negotiate (laughs) with a damn software company? (laughs) Yes. But then I thought to myself, you know what? Who am I? I'm a best-selling author. I run a global business. And yes, I would be a great case study. So that- Mic drop, right? Right. Yeah. So I turned my fear into an affirmation. Wow. I love that. Oh my gosh. There's been so many gems. It is always so much fun to chat with you. But as we said, the new year is, is right around the corner and I'm all about like taking steps today that you can do practically to make your life more fulfilling. And negotiating is definitely one. If you're looking for more money for savings or to buy a house or maybe your budget is is really tight, maybe you just need to step out and try negotiation and see what could happen. Maybe you're like the person you talked about that adds an extra 3000 bucks a month to to their budget. Who knows? But if you could leave us with just maybe one tip of how to be confident when when negotiating, what would it be? I would say this. Think about a time where you've asked for something and you got it. And let that be the catalyst to carry you through. Shauna, you've said this before, and it's something that I do and I, I've done for years. Call your cell phone provider, your insurance provider, you know, renters, homeowners insurance and say, am I getting the best possible deal? That is a negotiation. And so 
if you need confidence, start off doing the small stuff like the cell phone provider, the insurance companies, and just ask if you're getting the best deal. And that momentum will carry you through to do things that will build that negotiation muscle for higher stakes. I always, always love it when Jacqueline is on the show. Her wisdom and just like super real talk always gives me like the little kick in the butt that I need to walk into any negotiation knowing that I'm worth it and I totally got this. You can connect with Jacqueline on LinkedIn, which is her favorite place to hang out, or pick up a copy of her book, Don't Leave Money on the Table on Amazon. Not to worry though, I'll have all the links in the show notes so you can easily connect with Jacqueline. Hey, thanks so much again for checking out this episode. Do me a favor, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.